Welcome back to another Macam in the Middle podcast after another Sunderland game, this time at home against Burnley. Of course, they were relegated from the Premier League last season, probably the toughest game Sunderland have had so far this season. That certainly showed in the second half. Sunderland did go 2-0 up at the break um, and the final 45 minutes were a completely different story. Burnley scored four and, of course, the game finished 4-2. And that wasn't the craziest thing we witnessed yesterday because Martin actually agreed to do a podcast, which is <laughs> first time for everything, of course. But as always, we'll get into everything that happened during the game, after the game, some of the comments made after the game, which, as kind of follow Sunderland's suit, do sometimes get out of hand and get a bit exaggerated. So we'll cover some of them as well. But first and foremost, Michael, if you had to describe the game yesterday in a sentence, I think a game of two halves would be the perfect fit. I'm going to start by quoting something you said in the group chat. I think it was you anyway, where it said that was that game displayed both Sunderland's best and worst yeah. performances this season, um, encapsulated in the one ninety minutes. First half was, I mean, I know this is longer than one sentence, but yeah, a game of two halves. There's never a game that epitomises that cliche more than this one. Uh, first half for me was outstanding. First half, I couldn't think of a single fault we did wrong. We were solid defensively. We pressed in attack. We closed down space very quickly when Burnley had the ball. We attacked with purpose. The intensity was good. Um, and yeah, going 2-0 up in that game, we're kind of in dreamland, weren't we? Yeah. And then, of course, the second half happens, which is completely and utterly different story but I'm sure we'll get into more detail later on but you're right game of two halves is, is I mean I know I was supposed to just use one sentence and I've used about probably 20 there in my monologue but yeah that sentence describes it better than most yeah and I think that game against Burnley Martin kind of does have similarities to games you know in recent weeks you look at the Swansea game you look at the Blackburn game albeit that Blackburn game obviously had different decisions and whatnot that went against us but it was a case of Sunderland playing well for one half and not for the other yeah, no, you're completely right. Um, I mean, obviously, the, the Blackburn game, I thought, was a bit completely different. Um, we, I thought we played really well, but we just couldn't really do anything going forward. I mean, yeah, we should have had a penalty. Um, was their goal offside? Yeah, but, yeah. you know, that we kind of, yeah, but, you know, we can't really you know, talk about that anymore. Obviously, these things have happened. I mean, yeah, I, I just couldn't believe it. I mean, we just need, if we can have a solid 90 minutes playing the way that we did in that first half, then we will be fine. I think we will be, to be honest. Um, obviously, so do I. Yeah. yeah, but I think just Burnley showed why they were a Premier League team last season. Um, so you know, but that first forty-five minutes, if we could just have kept that up, it would have been would have been much nicer. It would have been a nicer conversation to have. But you know, there yeah. we go. <laughs> and obviously, we'll get onto it a little bit later, Michael. But some of the comments, some of the reactions, some of the. Again, we'll get on to some of the other stuff that is said and kind of discuss that a little bit further. But at the end of the day, you can look at the way we played and you can look at the fact we've conceded four goals, which obviously in any league, in any circumstance, home or away, realistically, isn't acceptable. But, you know, people saying we should have been winning that game. Uh, that was obviously before the, the game kicked off. Has been a sense of somewhat overachievement, I think, from Sunderland, you know, in the first kind of five or six games of the season. Um, you know, the main aim for Sunderland this season, whether people really like to admit it or not, like you've said a few times now, is just to stay up. So, you know, a defeat at home to Burnley isn't the end of the world. And, you know, I think we're four points from third bottom, we're five points from the playoffs, so we're still very much mid-table. Some of the reactions saying, you know, we need to get the manager out, what's going to happen this season, we've collapsed, this, that and the other, it is somewhat exaggerated at this point. Everyone is obviously allowed their own opinion, but I do find I'm, I'm with you. I find it very hard to get on board with the Tony Mowbray out malarkey. Bearing in mind, I think Tony Mowbray's been here for is it ten games now? He's now got managed um, with us. It's been around that, yeah. It was the yeah something. It was, game after game was Roth, Alex Neal left after five. We had Norwich yeah. in between the two of them, so yeah, it would have been ten games. So if you look at it, right, he's had ten games, and how many of those games has he had a forward? You know, <laughs> yeah. how many? If you look at it that way, how, how many games out of the 10 has he had a striker available? So if you say, you're basically talking one and a bit. He had one striker against um, Middlesbrough where Ross Stewart uh, got, uh, and obviously that's the criticism of Speakman, which is, which is the, as a defender of Speakman, that's one thing that is fair to criticise him with, that not having another striker was poor, even though I believe we did try to get one. But my point is, we lost Ross Stewart right before Borough, uh, and then we lost Sims during Reading. So he had, sorry, so two and a half games he had a forward. 
<laughs> come on, like yeah. you know, let's get a bit of realism here. Um, I'm, I'm with you. I've always said my aim for this season is to comfortably stay up. I'd be disappointed with just scraping survival. I yeah. think we should be a bit better yeah. than that for this first season. But the aim has always been, okay. and even I must admit, in the last couple of games, I looked at the championship, um, and this was before the second half yesterday, and thinking, actually, if we put a good run together and get our strikers back, get people on the whole being mainly fit and add, add a couple of additions in January, there's no reason why you can't maybe make a push for the playoffs. But I think you're right. I mean, Burnley certainly... This is a game that, for me, was never, ever going to be realistically defining our season. In the grand scheme of things, I think Sunderland should be beating Burnley at home. In the grand scheme of things, because we should be much better than them. I'm not being, I don't feel that arrogant. I think that's pretty realistic for a couple of our size. But for this season, if you look at the context that we've just come up from League One, yeah. and they've come down from the Premier League, I think that really should speak for itself. Um, yesterday, for me, was more or less a... Well, I hate using the term free hit, especially when we're at home, but it was close to a free hit, as I can imagine, because apparently Burnley have actually been playing really good football this season. They've just not took away their chances. I mean, I, I, I had a look yesterday, and I was not I was actually surprised at this. Burnley have only actually lost once in, I think, nearly 40 games. Yeah, the, their problem is, I mean, I've got the table in front of me. I mean, Burnley just have uh, um, drawn eight times, which is, bit, yeah. you know, they turn some of those draws into wins. They're comfortably clear at the top. And, I mean, I know QPR and Blackburn are ahead of them, but... I'll be very, 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 very surprised if either of them finish above Burnley. And I think Burnley will finish comfortably above the pair of them um, yeah. as the season goes on. Burnley, for me, I can only speak for myself, but based on the second half alone, I think Burnley have easily been the best sides that I've come and watched play against us. And I think Vincent and company's got to take some credit for that. Um, obviously, it's his first job in English management. But the point is, this is a game for me that was never got... Put it this way, the, the win against Wigan last week, those are games that are more realistic... Um, alignment with our expectations this season yeah. what I think the Burnley game was, if that makes sense. Burnley have obviously come down from the Prem. Their minimum expectation should be top six. Truthfully, I think they'll get the top two if they continue that level of performance. Uh, mm. So it was games like, I mean, even if you look at games coming up, you've got, what is it, Huddersfield, you've got um, Cardiff, you've got Birmingham, you've got Hull after the World Cup, you've got Blackpool, uh, Wigan yeah. away, Rotherham away in the coming months. Those are the type of games that are much more important to our season, in my opinion, than Burnley was. Yeah. And obviously, there's some of the results there that Michael mentioned, Martin, the QPR, who were near the top of the table, Blackburn, obviously Burnley, Norwich, Sheffield United, you can go through them all. Sunderland, for large part of them games, if not all of them games, have held their own at this level, have probably deserved more than they've got out of them games. You know, you look at the Blackburn game, they've had two chances, two chances that one of them came from a penalty, which we were denied, one of them from an offside goal. There's nothing you can do about that, we deserve something out of that game. QPR, better team for probably 80 minutes, switched off twice, conceded a dive and headed to a goalkeeper in the 90-odd minute. You know, it's not going to happen every week. Sheffield United, you go down to 10 men, still probably deserved at least a point out of that game. But if you, you, know, you have 11 men on the pitch, again, get a point, possibly three in that game. So we've held our own against some of the best teams in this league. But still, some of the reaction after these games are, like I say, just somewhat exaggerated. And you've got to take some context. Like Michael said there, we don't have a striker. Um, and of course you can blame the club for that everyone knew we needed to sign another striker in the summer we didn't, um, kind of have to get on with it but you've got Gooch out injured Alessi out injured, Dan Ballard um, Patrick Roberts was obviously missing yesterday Ellis Sims, Ross Stewart and realistically they're all players that if they're fit probably go straight into the start 11 so in theory for that game against Burnley especially you're missing half of your favourite starting 11 Yeah, I mean it didn't really sort of favour us did it I mean I'd look at the when the teams came out and then I noticed, I think it was Human Ahmad was starting. Yeah. And I was I completely forgot that, you know, Elise was injured. So we thought that Elise was the only change. And then we see that Roberts was injured and that was a bit like, oh, I didn't, I, you know, I didn't actually expect that. So yeah. well, I've been unlucky with injuries. I mean, uh, just like Michael was saying, I've been, I'm looking at the table myself. And to be honest, I think of the 16 games that we've played, I mean, I can't say I watched the full 90 minutes against Swansea. I know apparently that was a poor first 45 minutes, but again, yeah. you know, second half we came out and we did really well. I remember I was listening to it and, you know, it sounded like it was just about all Sunderland. We got the first goal and then we just couldn't get the equaliser. Um, we, we played really well. I'd say every ma whole match I've been to this season, um, that 45 minutes against Burnley was, as, as I mentioned, it was just basically a case of Burnley showing why, you know, they're, they're going to be up there at the end of the season. Yeah. I've got absolutely... No doubts about that. They, that first 45 from them was 
completely baffling. I was I just couldn't believe how bad Burnley were, but then you could also say Sunderland were just really good. You know, we had I that think that's the thing with the two halves as well. You look at Sunderland, who played very well in the first half. Burnley admittedly weren't great. The second half, I think people somewhat miss just how good Burnley were in that second half and use that as a reason to say how bad Sunderland were. I don't think Sunderland were that bad in the second half. I think they were just very average, as they have been in a few games so far this season. Again, that's Swansea first half where we just did nothing, didn't really get out, out of our own half. We weren't terrible in that second half. Burnley just stepped up a level and there's some games where you're going to get outplayed by a better opposition and that second half was a very good example of that, I think. Yeah, no, I completely, I completely agree. Um, I mean, that third goal, I've watched it back and, and a lot can be said for Tri Hume. Um, you know, it, it did look like from where I was sat, he kind of bottled the challenge, but there's absolutely nothing you could do about the quality of the finish. It was, you know, it, as soon as he left his foot, it was, a, it was a brilliant goal. It was a bit like Diaz's against Blackburn. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you just got to like sort of applaud that quality. Um, and I think, as you say, it's, it's what we're lacking up front. I mean, we're missing out on Sims. We're missing out on Stewart, and we could easily say that when we're 2 0 in that first half, if we just keep on peppering them, it could have been three or four if we had like, the likes of Sims or Stewart. Um, I know I mentioned it though in the group chat uh, yesterday. I do think a lot of the sort of it was the first 20 minutes we were unplayable, and then obviously there was that break in play. Um, yeah. I know James Copley, Deb, Sport and Vincent Company, apparently he said there was something to do with the technical issues with the headsets. Um, you know, people say it was because the Burnley fans were throwing things again. I think um, I st- I'm still not sure on that, but I still think it was to do with the Burnley fans because I know at the time of it happening, I don't know if you saw it, but the actual stadium of like Twitter did tweet out saying if you know it happens again, it will be stopped for a second game and the players will leave the pitch. So I still presume it was about that. Um, but let us say, yeah, that could, could just be a case of company trying to you know cover the club's back, I suppose. Uh, but- Probably is, but uh, uh, yeah, but I think that completely killed the intensity. I mean, we were all there yesterday. As soon as it went 2 0, you know, yeah. it was bouncing, the players were bouncing off, off the crowd. Um, and I think that would have been the, the pure definition of the 12th man. Um, but then as soon as that, you know, that five minute spell, you know, we just lost all that intensity. And I think, um, you know, we were just crying out for half time near the end. I know, you know, they're getting peppered. I mean, the, the stadium was that desperate to start playing the Arctic Monkeys or something whilst Burnley yeah. on the attack, which was quite yeah, enjoyable. That was funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but you know, I think as I say, that, that first first twenty minutes, you know, it was enjoyable. But you know, it's just one of those things. It's just it's just a massive frustration. I mean, we all yeah. probably had Burnley down as a defeat. Let's be honest. I know on the grand scheme of things, as Michael said, we we normally do expect to be beaten the likes of Burnley. Obviously, the size of the clubs, but obviously. You know, we're at respect. Obviously, we are just coming up from League One. Um, they've just come down from the Premier League, so obviously they're going to be in sort of better sort of shape. They've got the they've got the most the money behind them from the Premier League, um, and we probably had it down as a defeat. I think we're all just absolutely frustrated because we were two 0 up at the end of the day. But yeah, never mind. Exactly. Um, we'll go through the goals, goal by goal, and starting with Sunderland's first, Michael. Um, like we said, Sunderland were playing well in the first half, getting forward, finding that kind of link-up play that obviously was just not there in the second half. But with the first goal, Clark, I think it was Pritchard, obviously started the move. And he does have a, he does a lot of that um, for the Sunderland team. I think getting the kind of pre-assist to a goal, which obviously doesn't go down mm. as a goal contribution, which I think do people do sometimes miss how important he is, you know, when Sunderland are building up into the final third. But obviously he plays it into Jack Clark. Jack Clark plays it to Ahmad, who gets his first goal for the club. And... It was a very good start to the game for Sunderland. Without doubt, it was. Um, as you touched on there with the Pritchard, um, uh, well, what Pritchard does pre-assist. Without that pre-assist, the assist can't happen. So yeah. it's it's one. I know that sounds like that sounds. I know that sounds stupidly obvious. But you're right. A lot of people do tend to miss that. Um, and I've been someone who said that I thought that uh, Pritchard might might be may, need mainly taken out the firing line for a game. But to be fair, he's probably apparently one game away from a suspension, so he'll get that regardless soon enough anyway. Um, but yeah, no, he's, he was he was very good in the build-up yesterday, and yeah, it was in general a good start. The one thing I was actually very relieved to see was that Amadiello actually wanted to have a shot at goal. Because, <laughs> because I, by the way, I like the guy. I, from what I've seen, I think there's enough in there to see why Man United paid what was it, thirty-five million or however, however much it was for yeah. him, and they paid him yeah. for a reason. But every time in the in the last few games that he was going forward, he kept on try, he keeps on trying to overstep things or pass to someone else or overplaying things. And you think just have a shot, mate, and go for it and see what happens. 
Um, obviously, it's a bit different here because it's basically a pass through to him in the penalty box, and it's basically just a one-on-one. It's basically a first-time finish. But either way, it was pandemonium, and uh, hopefully, that's going to be good for Ahmad's confidence to get it up. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. so just a few minutes after that, Martin, that something went two 0 up. It was Embleton put a ball into the box, and um, obviously Burnley won it. The ball fell to Dan Neil, who had a shot and. Other games, Daniel probably takes that ball down, recycles possession, and we end up with nothing from it. So it was good to see him just hit it, and it ended up in a goal. Sun and go turn it up, and that was obviously the last kind of good thing that happened in the game. But at the time, it was looking to be a very good day for Sunderland. Yeah, it was. I mean, it, it just seemed to, everything just seemed to be coming off at that point. I mean, obviously, you're always buoyed by the first goal, and then I think Burnley were sort of rattled as well. Um, I mean, you look back at that Diallo goal, I mean, I've just watched the highlights before we came on. And I just could not believe how much space he had. The yeah. Diallo, he, had, he had so much time that he knew he knew what he was going to do. He had he had the time to you know make himself a cup of tea beforehand before he even got the chance to take the shot. It was was crazy. Um, so yeah, I think that second goal as well. I mean, you mentioned it like Dan Neal's confidence now. Uh, it should be through the roof. I mean, you know, he's, he's a good player. He's he's been sort of unlucky this season, obviously with that red card against Sheffield United. But you know, he's I think he's beginning to show why. We'll do highly rate him, and he took his goal really, really well. Um, and as I say, like I, just, I was just in absolute state of disbelief because I couldn't believe we'd done it so quickly, two 0 and we just looked like an absolute. We had the beat, the beat of them. We did. It was great to see. Yeah. Now, if it was two 0 at half time, everything looking good. Second half comes about, and kind of everyone in the stadium knew that Burnley, you know, probably underperformed in that first half, given the uh, results that they've had so far this season, the football they've played under Vincent company, so they knew they were going to come out and probably look at a different team. I think they made a change. Um, Ashley Barnes came off, and I think it was Benson, I think, had come on as a sub. And I'm just looking through the last few games that we've had, Michael. I mean, I'm only going as far back as Swansea. Conceded in the 45th minute against Swansea. Um, you go on the Tuesday game, which didn't exist. So we go on the Saturday game, which was, of course, against Wigan. I think I know where you're minute. going with this, but go on. Yeah, 44th <laughs> minute against Wigan. You go on the Tuesday game against Blackburn. You conceded in the 49th minute, four minutes after half-time. And then you go to the game against Burnley yesterday. We've conceded five minutes after half-time. So there might be a theme there. It might be nothing into it. But Sunderland do have this pattern where they seem to switch off just before and just after half-time. And that's exactly what happened with their first goal. It was a cross into the box. And I think it was Nathan Teller, actually, who had a free header in the box. He must be the smallest player on the pitch. <laughs> and it's, again, just such a simple goal and Sunderland just not defending it. But the Pep's OK because we don't have a striker, so we can't defend it, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's Obviously, yeah, not having a striker is a valid concern. But as I've made the point loads of times, you can't just keep looking at a lack of a forward. It did. It would have made a difference in terms of holding the ball up in the second half, but it doesn't account for that first goal. I mean, for all the goals, really. But as you're talking about the first one, it's the timing of it was terrible. And, the, and I think the, there could be a suggestion of a theme going on there with all the goals you mentioned, because they're all at times in the game that are pretty much directly, well, with the exception of Wigan, directly contributed to the outcome of the game. So if you look at the second goal at Swansea, basically it was a sucker punch, killed us off. Uh, Blackburn, similar, re- even though it shouldn't have stood, arguably, yeah. but similar reasons, similar time. It sort of sets the tone, and Blackburn have that the whole on to. And then in this game, we knew how I was. The one thing I was concerned about, even at half time, was the fact that we put so much energy into the first half that are we going to be able to match what Burnley are going to be able to throw out the second half? And sadly, the answer is no. And conceding so quickly into the second half, that for. I think a lot of people have said this, and I actually agree with them, that you needed to get through the first 10, 15 minutes, preferably unscathed, without conceding, and then the game becomes different because Burnley's momentum slows down. They then suddenly start to feel a bit more despondent that they haven't got back into the game. Them getting a goal back so quickly start the second half did us absolutely no favours, unfortunately. Yeah, and obviously at 2-1, um, obviously Sun still have the advantage in the game, Martin, but people have always said in football that 2-1 is probably the worst type of lead to have in a game, especially with still 40-odd minutes to play. Um, because Burnley have the momentum, the next goal often decides the game. Um, you know, if Burnley go and get that second, then obviously the momentum's fully in their favour. They've got the away fans who obviously came down in the numbers, think two and a half thousand there yesterday from them, and that's exactly what they did. Just ten minutes later, another goal. 
you could question um, Patterson potentially for it because, you know, it's cross that no one actually gets anything on. It goes straight into the far corner. But again, just 15 minutes into the second half after what was 45 minutes of good football from Sunderland, that just forgotten within 15 minutes. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, I was fearing the worst as soon as they scored because, you know, as, as Michael says, the first 10, 15 minutes of the second half is always crucial when you've got two goal lead or one goal lead. Uh, more especially uh, a two-goal lead, I would say. Uh, as soon as it went 2-1, you, you could see it was coming. You just hoped that they could, you know, obviously see it out. But then, uh, you know, the goal itself, I mean, you know, Patterson probably should be doing better. Um, a defender should also get ahead on it as well. Um, I mean, I'm by no means a professional goalkeeper, so I don't know if, you know, Patterson, you know, should have should have done better with it. Um, I don't know how you really, what he could have done better, but surely... You know, a defender could have even got ahead on it, but I don't know. Um, it was just a frustrating one, especially when the ball just goes in and it's across and it just goes all the way, and it's always frustrating to see. Um, you know, I'd rather just actually meant it. I think it's worse when when it goes in like that. Yeah. Um, and then it just it just went from there. I just had feared the worst to be honest. As soon as it went two two. Yeah. And obviously, one other kind of criticism that Speakman and whoever else involved has had so far this season, Michael, is you know, the kind of strategy of the transfers and the club moving forward, the young players, the youth, it does have its advantages, um, especially in the way that the club wants to operate. You know, if these players go on to have a good career, they sell, we get profit, we do it again. And, you know, it's very similar to what Brighton, uh, Brighton, Brentford and a few other clubs do. But there is downsides to it. And that is when players come here, they have a lack of experience. They don't have the kind of game management that, you know, someone like a Corey yeah. Evans and that would. And I think that's what is shown at the moment. Like I said, you look at the games, Swansea, Wigan, Blackburn, Burnley, there's probably a few more before that as well, when, you know, the first kind of last five minutes of the first half, you manage the game depending on the result um, at the time and you see it out of half time. And especially like Martin said there, the first 10, 15 minutes of the second half, especially when you're leading, you've just got to like try and not necessarily slow the game down, but manage it well, you know, stop them getting any momentum back. They obviously, they obviously came out flying during the second half. You know, if someone get the foot on the ball, keep it, get forward, push them back a little bit, it's a completely different game. But we just didn't do that at all. No, we didn't. Um, and if we did the things you suggested, that frustrates Burnley because then not only they're losing 2-0, but they can't get a foot in the game because we, to put it blunt, shit house. Um, yeah. If you do that, then it doesn't suit the way they want to play. So sometimes I think we do need to learn to do that. And obviously, as you said, there's a disadvantage of, when you sign so many young players that you, they, they have a lack of experience in that regard. But I suppose the way to balance that is that they have to get experience and learn from this. So, you know, the, the best way they're going to get experience is by, the best way to expect experience is by playing these games. Um, and if you look at it, I still think, I think we still had a number of players that are in the starting eleven who still had experience about them. I know Luke O'Neill is yeah. not for the championship, but he's not exactly a Ben. He's 28, I think. So um, I might be wrong on his age there. But Danny Bart, 31. Pritchard, nearly 30. Evans, over about 31, 32 years old. For me, there was enough experience on that pitch to make sure that we sold the game out well enough. But obviously, yeah, it, it is, it is it's a legitimate thing. This is, this is probably just something that we're going to have to deal with. And while these players... I think this season, and I've said this before as well, that if you're going to have a season where you can afford these young players to grow and make mistakes, it's this season, as long as you're not getting relegated, as long as you're not like in a relegation scrap, because then you think, all right, then this is a season where it's transition. You can get these players to learn and then hopefully next season be better for it when we want to push on to try and get promoted, maybe. Yeah. Well, obviously, Burnley went 2-2. Um, and obviously, like we say, the momentum firmly in their favour. And it was just, again, eight minutes after they equalised. It was 3-2 to Burnley. Um, and again, it was one of them goals that is very avoidable, especially in the build-up, like Martin said earlier, the ball comes in. I think it's a long ball, just hoofed up the pitch. I think Lugo 9 wins it. They win the loose ball, Goodmanson, I think it was. Trehum comes across to win the tackle. Um, doesn't really do anything with it. You know, He doesn't get the ball, doesn't get the player, doesn't do anything. He just kind of hops out of the challenge. The ball comes in and, you know, it's a very good finish. Like, again, like Martin said, very similar to the one that we conceded first against Blackburn. One of them goals that you do, you kind of have to accept the quality of the finish. But again, you know, the tackle that Trey Hume should be making there, it was poor. Yeah, it could have been avoided. Um, I mean, I, I don't, I do like Trey Hume. I thought he was brilliant in the first half, but to be fair, everybody was on the pitch, but it was disappointing to see. I mean, obviously, 
you, you don't want to see anybody sort of bottle out of a challenge um and that's what he did it didn't even look like it was it would have been that bad if he got the got the man of the ball it just looked like a gentle sort of you know challenge for the ball but he just pulled out with it and at this level you're going to get punished for that um so that was it was frustrating thing that it came from that you know but we just got to hope that that he will learn from that because there is a good player in there i can i can see that he would he played as i say it was great in the first half um but just like as i, I think i've been saying you know the game management just wasn't really there the second half and i think a lot of them sort of you know seem to shy away and i think the, the, the occasion seemed to get the better of them and i say occasion you know just a league game against burnley but you know um if you understand then it was just frustrating. I mean, as I say, the whole second half, like it was just, I'm just thinking back now and just sitting there frustrated about about it because, as I say, it's just avoidable, you know, mistakes. But as I say, the finish fantastic. Really, I thought it was a really good goal. Um, yeah. But it's just an absolute shame that it wasn't the Sunderland one and all ours, but never mind. Yeah. And last but not least, Michael, obviously it did finish 4-2, which meant Burnley did get another goal. Um, and it, it came from another mistake this time from Dan Neal, which I don't really care too much about because, you know, the one thing that we didn't try and do in that second half is get the ball forward and play. Dan Neal tried to do that. He gets tackled, Burnley counter, and it's a simple finish in the end for Josh Brownhill, I think it was in the end. But, you know, that goal didn't really change the the score, the result, the way Sunderland were playing. Um, but all it did was make the result in the second half performance seem that little bit worse than it was. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this this goal doesn't happen if we're not chasing the game. I don't yeah. think. Um, I think if you, because mm. obviously, because the main reasons we get caught from it because we're trying to play forward, and obviously Burnley, Burnley. To be fair, they they did press us for that, which is fair enough. So, at the end, I think this is the goal I pay least attention to because, as you said, I mean, if this had been the goal to win Burnley the game three two, then obviously it's a much bigger talking point. But at the end of the day, we had to try and we had to try and get forward. So we it was just one of those where. We weren't going to get anything from the game by playing it safe. We tried to go for it a bit, somewhat, <laughs> for what we did in the second <laughs> half. And yeah. obviously it didn't quite pan out. So, yeah, it, it, it's with the context of how the game went. I'm, I'm, not really too, I'm not really too bothered by this one. Yeah. Um, just before we get into player ratings, Martin, obviously the one other talking point that seemed to come up after Twitter, which I'm sure you know where this is going. Tony Mowbray out. Oh, this out. will be a fun conversation. <laughs> people calling for Mowbray to be out. People saying he's inept. Obviously, you look at the form Sunderland have had recently and it's not great. But people do take that without context. Like Michael said and like we've said, no strikers, half your first team out injured. You know, some of the subs that you made, yeah, you can question them. But at the end of the day, who else does he have to bring on to try and impact a the game? There is no one. So taking context, you've got to look at some of the results and think, give him some kind of leeway. You look at the Preston game, so many teams have struggled against them. I don't think that's a bad point. You look at the Blackpool game, probably should have done a little bit better than that one. But again, we've got a point. We've beat Wigan like we've expected to. Um, the Blackburn game, very unlucky not to get something out of, being cheated out of it by two very poor refereeing decisions. It does seem a bit reactionary. Oh, it definitely does. I mean, when you were sending the tweets yesterday in the group chat, I was completely baffled. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was stunned that it was actually a genuine reaction. I can understand people that uh, you know pissed off, like they aren't the best of results, like it isn't the best run of form. But if there's going to be questions asked, you you know that you know I'm, you know I'm a bit fifty fifty with speaking. Like if there's going to be any sort of issues where you know the fingers shouldn't be pointed at Mowbray, he's got he's been dealt this hand where he's only got two strikers, but. Um, to be fair, but one one argument is though he did say that he was happy with two strikers, so you can question you know whether he actually was or he was just saying that just to you know keep his new employees employers happy. But yeah, I, I mean he's a good manager at this level. Um, I, I was listening to Radio Newcastle on the way home, and there was you know people it's saying a very interesting, uh, very interesting show that after a game. Yeah, feed. yeah. Because I managed to listen to the full thing, and there was there was text going in, and it was saying that Mowbray's yeah. going to take us down. He's got he's got history doing this. It's like oh my god, no, he, went, he went down with Blackburn after fifteen games, and they were just on a rot, and then he took them straight back up. He's he's a very solid championship manager, and I think we all want to be back in the Premier League. There's no yeah. sort of discussion about that. I am more than more than happy to be sitting here in 14th place with 20 points and, and the only reason I am frustrated after yesterday's performance is because we were 2-0 up and we were cruising but 
yeah, Mowbray out is just an absolute ridiculous movement, um, which I will fully support if we lose the next 10 games. <laughs> we're not going to do. Um, we're we're going to be fine with him. I think the worst thing we could do is just constantly just get rid of managers. Um, you know, I thought we had it sorted of Alex Neil. Obviously, he's, you know, decided to get beat with Stoke City instead. So we've just got we've got to deal with with Mowbray. He's a good solid manager. Um, you know you don't manage eight hundred games uh, at the highest level and not be not be crap. So he's a good manager. He's a solid manager, and he will sort us out. And you I, I love that by the way. Alex Neil getting beat with Stoke City. You know, he decided to go there. That's silver lining. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I mean, just to add on to that, you're right. I mean, if you look at the context of the results, I know we keep using this word a lot, but I think. Look, I'm not going to speak about it. Conceding four goals in one half of football is not acceptable. And I do believe I do believe that some when the fans mention that, obviously you want good standards, and that's absolutely fine. That's fair enough. I've got no problem with that. I was livid at the way we let in four goals in the second half, and because one way or another, the game was thrown away from a winning position. And I mean, I'm not going to go on about the clean sheets thing again. Everyone knows my thoughts on that at this point. But you know, if you look at all the other games, I mean, yes, we've still scored. I think I was just looking ever since Ellis Sims got injured. We've scored something along the lines of ten goals in in six. I think it's in seven games. Hang on, no, ten goals in eight in eight games without a mm. forward. Which I still and again that yesterday was. I mean, yesterday's result was not down to us not having a striker. It was down to poor depending. But yeah, I mean, Mowbray's had. I mean, if you look at it this way, how many points? This is where again criticism. This criticism at Speakman's fair. But if say Mowbray had Ross Stewart, Nellis Sims, or even either one of them fit for these games, we'd probably have more points. We probably would have beat Blackpool, probably would have at least beat one of Blackpool Preston, if not both of them. And bear in mind, like um, Josh said before, you know, we drew against Preston, who went on and beat Norwich, um, I think about a week after playing us away from home as well. So I think when you look at where we are at the moment, obviously the league is that tight at the moment that we can't say that we're definitely obviously safe or anything. But I think for people to suggest that Mowbray's going to take us down after such a short space of time, when he's picked up, I think he's picked up something on the angle. So how many points were we on before? Uh, so I think he's picked up 12, 12 points in like yeah. 10 games um, ever yeah. since he came in, if my maths is right. So come on. Like, I think we need to have, I think, I think some people, and I get that frustrations are rising high after a game and that's absolutely fair enough. You know, everyone is an emotional sport football, but for crying out loud, it doesn't mean you can just throw your toys out of the pram. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, like I said before as well, Martin, uh, again, just before we get in the play rating, because we need to do that. I do think the start Sunderland had to this season when they had a full squad, they had no injuries, you know, a kind of unknown entity in this league. People don't know what to expect that Sunderland probably picked up more points than they should have at the start of the season and overachieved a little bit. And that possibly changed people's expectations of what Sunderland should be looking to achieve this season. Because at the end of the day, like we've said a few times now, like we're probably going to keep saying, and I've said multiple times, the main aim is just to stay up. You know, so many teams come up from League One, go straight back down and linger there for another few years. That's the worst case scenario for Sunderland. That's the one thing that we need to achieve this season is just staying up. And the form that we're in now, yeah, I think it's one win in eight. Again, look at the context with injuries and whatnot. It isn't great either way, but we're still picking up points here and there. Like you've said there, we're still 14th. We're still very much mid-table. You win two games, you can be back in the playoffs. You lose two games, you could be in the relegation zone. It's still far too early to be making some of the calls that some of our fans are making. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, that start of the season, I think nobody expected, to be honest. I think when we went to Coventry Bristol City, I was, you know, hoping we'd at least get just one point out of those two games because on paper they look like difficult games. Um, We were unlucky against Coventry. They just had that one moment of quality. which, which is what something that obviously we can pick up on. There's always that one moment of quality um, that we get sort of uh, shafts us in the end. Um, but then that result against Bristol City was fantastic. You know, Ellis Sims was on fire. And then we've got some really good results. I mean, as I say, yeah, we have, I think, overachieved. And I think a lot of people went from, oh, just staying up to, oh, we could, we could win the league and we could get the playoffs. And yeah. it is nice to think like that. And, you know, we should still feel like that. But then we should also, as I say, put our sort of neutral head hats on and say we are a promoted team from League One we, we were going to go through a bad run of form um, and hopefully this you know we can sort of recuperate some results again and I, I do think we will um, but this was always expected to be honest with myself um, but to be sat on 20 points after 16 games you know and 14th as well I just snapped your hand off but 
we, we do have to start with. Let's be honest, we do have to start winning games yeah. again. Um, Especially towards one, one thing road. I would. Yeah, one thing to interrupt. Sorry, the, the one thing I would slightly criticise, and it is a, it's a slight criticism. I, would, I think we need to start winning at home a bit more. Um, I think oh, yeah. when you look at the games we've had, we've only won two at home, and that was against Wigan and Rotherham. Don't get me wrong, two vital wins. Um, I mean, I know we've, we've only lost twice at home, I think, to Norwich and to um, Burnley, the two teams that I think will go on to make the top two. But, well, we'll see if I'm right on that or not. I'll probably be wrong as, as ever. But when you look at the other games, like, you know, obviously the manner in some of the, I think it's some of the draws, when you look at drawn home to Preston, Blackpool, nil-nil, not great result, but not terrible. Um, I think obviously QPR was the main frustrating one when you 2 0 up, a few minutes to go, and yet somehow they're top of the league. And they were probably one of the worst teams I've seen play against us. Um, yeah. But that just shows you the mental nature of the championship. So that's and the I one think, I think that, that's probably a good thing. I don't know the best way to put this, but kind of a positive to take for Sunderland that the fact that we've been so close to getting three points or a point out of these games against teams that everyone's expecting to go straight up a couple of Premier League next season. And again, injuries, manager changes, you know, players that still aren't used to English football, to be coming so close. And yes, at the end of a season, if you get relegated, you don't get extra points for being close to getting a result. It's the results that matter. But at this stage in the season, when you are going toe-to-toe with people who, you know, are first, second, third, all the way down to sixth, I think, um, are the teams that we've played, there has to be some positive to come from that. Well, it does, yes. And if you look at all the... De- well, OK, if you go through all the defeats we've had then. So Sheffield United, down to 10 men, 60 minutes, did well to acquit ourselves and not get hammered. Second defeat, Norwich, easily deserved at least a point out of that game, if not all three. Yeah. Borough, OK, granted, fair enough. I didn't think Borough were that much better than us, but we weren't that great. But it was still... that's the, If that's the worst we've served, then, then that's bang average. Then we yeah. haven't done too badly. Uh, the next defeat, obviously, Swansea. First half, not great. Second half, much better. And then obviously um, Blackburn robbed by two controversial ones that shouldn't have stood more yeah. than that, more than more than matched Blackburn, if not outplayed them. And then Burnley, come on, they, they you know they've got one of the best squads in the league, and we for the first half we absolutely blew them away. Okay, second half wasn't good enough. We accept that, but that's the point. We've been in every game. We've never been totally outplayed and dominated in every game. And yeah. if, apart from Burnley second half. Coventry probably second half, Norwich when the subs came on, nobody has absolutely out-footballed us. No one's outplayed us whatsoever. Now, some of that might doubt be the fact that we're on adre- we've got an adrenaline just because we've got promoted and we've got that buzz about the place where it's probably gone now the way some of the fans are going on. Um, but it, it's still like we've been more than competitive every game. We've not been, we've been battling in every game. And quite a few teams of uh, opposition fans have said Sunderland have been the best team we've played so far this season. And if yeah. you want to look at other results then, okay, Put it this way, and I know I'm, I'm sounding like Phil Parkinson when I say this here, and I promise it's not what I'm trying to get at. But if you look at Rotherham, for example, yesterday, they lost 4-2 at home to Hull City, which I think if you're going to lose a game 4-2, I think there's much less shame in losing 4-2 to a home, at home to a team that's, even though it's at home, to a team that's got one of the, be- one of the best squads in the league, that's got a very good up-and-coming manager that's played some good football and is probably on course to at least finish in the top six, if not the top two, as opposed to losing at home to Hull City, who frankly recently have been absolutely dreadful. Now, obviously that doesn't mean we have to accept yesterday's results. It doesn't mean you have to accept conceding four goals at home, because we shouldn't. Our standard should still be high enough to be able to expect a bit better than that. But it doesn't mean you can't look at context and go, look, if we, in upcoming games, if say we lose to Huddersfield and we don't beat Cardiff and we lose to Birmingham, then I totally agree with the criticism then. That's absolutely fine. No problem. that's, That's not good enough. But I just think people just need to take a step back and remember that for this season, the main aim for me was consolidation. Yeah. Next season onwards, fair enough. I think I think next season onwards, you need to start be looking towards the top six. But yeah. um, I, th- I just think right now we're doing okay. We've obviously need to get we just need to get points on the board before the World Cup break starts, and then after the World Cup happens and after we finish from the break, we've got we're hopefully going to have Stewart coming back, Sims coming back, Elise coming back, Patrick Roberts hopefully will be back. Dan Ballard's already out on the grass again. So Huggins we, as well. Sorry. Huggins as well. So Huggins many players out injured. Yeah, exactly. oh, he's, yeah, he's played today, isn't he? Huggins is yeah. the academy. Yeah. 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 But, you know, either way, I mean, that's, yeah. Obviously, you know, you don't want to accept defeats, of course. that we, Our standards should be decent enough. And I, I get that point that fans are making. But I just think when you, I think ultimately the frustration, like Martin said earlier, comes from the way the game panned out. Because let's be honest, I mean, did either of you expect to get anything yesterday before the game nope. kicked off? I personally. Not a chance. No. Nah. You know, so it's it's just about the context. It's again context. Um, it's the context of the way the game went. I think of why people are frustrated, justifiably frustrated. But I think we need to take a step back and chill a bit. Yeah. 
Um, we'll get the play written. We'll go through these as quick as we can because I think we've rattled on a little bit longer than planned, and we didn't even talk about referees because that wasn't really much of a talking point. So, yeah, that's that's disappointing that we can't bring the referee for this one. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but play written, Michael. We'll start with Patterson. Like I say, we'll get through these as quick as we can. It's a hard one, this because I think with Patterson, I'm trying. I'm trying to remember the goals back in my head, and then the only one you could maybe criticise him for is the second one. I um, think. I think for me, you could question him for the first one. Because, um, like I said, I think Nathan Teller heads it from inside the Shishard box. Mm. Can he come and collect it, punch it, maybe? And I'd say the second one was the cross that, well, had nothing on the end of it and just went straight yeah. in. Um, yeah, I think I'll probably go with this. Uh, shout out to, um, uh, what is it, Bradley? I'm from What the Fog Pod, because you said, obviously, uh, he'll listen to the podcast and so listen to my standard five ratings. So, yeah, I think I'm probably going to give... I mean, really, if you're going to be objective across the whole game, you can't give anyone higher than a five. Um, so I probably will go with a five. Um, maybe question, arguably question for the first two, but, yeah, I mean, he wasn't held by the defence in front of him in the second half. Yeah. And Martin, for you? Patterson, yeah, I'd say, I'd say five. Yeah. That is fair. Trey Hume obviously started the game, and I think it's probably his third, maybe fourth start since he signed for Sunderland. He's mm. hardly ever played. I think it's only his second start, well, second game, I think, in the Championship, his first start, if I'm not mistaken. And like Martin said earlier, I think he was excellent first half, you know, got on the ball, played it forward, won everything in the air, and very much like everyone else was in the second half, kind of hid a little bit, um, you know, didn't go for them 50-50s. And again, kind of like the game was, it was a performance of two halves for him, Michael. So, yeah, another five. <laughs> I think I'm going to be saying this for nearly every player, aren't I? Um, yeah, you've described it. First half, I thought, was very, very good considering the opposition he was up against. And then second half was, unfortunately, nowhere near. Um, yeah. He's obviously still a young player. And I think, obviously, my... Yeah, it's just a five for me. But again, the main talking point for me is that if we're not going to be playing him regularly... Um, and for Sunderland, then I think in, in January, I'd, I'd want to get him out on loan somewhere to get some fitness and minutes up. Yeah, I hope Michael's five ratings don't last too much longer into this season, but we'll see about that. I, 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 I wouldn't get your hopes up too high. <laughs> <laughs> Martin, for you? Um, I'm going to go 5.5 just to be a bit edgy. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, as I say, first off, he, he played really well, but then, you know, I have I have criticised him for, for the, you know, the, the third goal, but... You know, he's he is a young lad. It's one of his first first pictures in the championship. He's he is gonna you know naturally shy away, but we can't afford that. So you know, it, it is a five point five. But I do still think he'll he'll come good for Sunderland. Has got a feeling about him. Yeah, we might have to change these ratings and just go with like colour coat and red, amber, and green. <laughs> change, but we'll see how these go. Um, Danny Bart, starting with you, Michael. I'm just basically, yeah, you know what? I'm, I think I'm, I'm literally probably going to have to say five for, for most of the game because that's how the game went. The first, because first half, he was very commanding, won everything, won every aerial duel that he could, yeah. even won the odd occasional aerial duel in the second half. But I felt that before you say five, I'm going to remind you that he did nutmeg someone. Ten. Five, yeah. 5.7. <laughs> hey, it's better than a five. It's better than a five. I will go for that. Martin, I'm for you, Danny Bart. I'm going to be clutching on to like 5.257. Changing the decimals for this week only. I'll go, I'll go six with Bart, actually. Um, I thought, he, yeah, he was quite solid and commanded us. And then, did, did he really put a foot wrong for the second half? I, I can't remember. So, yeah, I'll go six. Probably best not to remember, I think. Um, yeah, true. <laughs> Luke on nine, Michael. Five. Oh, I'm trying to remember if he was directly at fault for any of the Bernie Burnley's goals. I don't believe he was. I mean, I, you could, again, the first one, I think he was kind of the closest to Nathan. Right, I was going to give him a six, but I'll drop down to a 4.9. Oh there you go. <laughs> just <for that. laughs> I'm only going 4.9 just to literally not say five. Um, yeah. Yeah, again, it's, yeah, first half, again, it was very good carrying the ball out, was very good positionally. But yeah, I think I'd probably, yeah, you've reminded me about that. Yeah, I think I would probably question him for the first goal. So yeah, I'd probably. Yeah, 4.9, I'm sticking with it. <laughs> Martin? Uh, I'll, I'll go with five, so slightly higher than Michael. Um, to, his long-range passing, to be fair, they did that really great long-range pass in the first half, and I thought, that was yeah. amazing. And then he tried to replicate it in the second half, and every single Straight one later. went to the Burnley defender, yeah. So, yeah, yeah I'll give him a five. But um, he's, he's potentially pushing a six, but I think, you know, I think five's just about right for him. Fair enough. On to Dennis Sergan, who's obviously been good 
that was very good so far this season for Sunderland. Had a bit of a shaky game against Blackburn. Obviously, it was him that gave away and he was foul for Blackburn's second goal in that game. Again, a reminder that was definitely offside. And just again, just a few mistakes in there. I don't know if it actually led to a goal directly, this one, but it was a point in the game um, in the second half. Patterson's played at a circuit. He controls it with his hand somewhat needlessly and they gave away a free kick. Don't know if that led to a goal or not. I can't actually remember. But Dennis Serkin for you, Michael. Fine, I'll go 5.5. Um, <laughs> I actually thought, I thought first half he was generally quite solid. Um, I felt that he was get, he was linking up with the attacks well enough and I thought defensively won most of his battles. And second half, yeah, I'm going to make the argument. I think there was one of you two, you said Danny Bart. I don't think he directly was at fault for any of the goals. And second half, I thought he blocked one or two crosses or at least was trying to stick with his man. So I'm, I'm just going 5.5. Advice to anyone who's listening, don't take me player rating seriously today. <laughs> just don't. Um, Martin, for you? Um, I'll go with a six. I mean, it wasn't his, his normal sort of great, great self, but uh, he did play well in the first half. But um, I mean... I think I'm just about to just judge on the first half. I'm just going to forget the second half happened. So, I'll go, uh, yeah, I'll go six. Interesting. Daniel, Michael. I'll give him a six just for the goal. Um, I felt that, no, actually, to be fair, yeah, I think six, uh, okay, I'm going to contradict myself when I said I can't give anyone higher than a five. Yeah, I think Daniel, I think when you, six mainly because he scored the, scored the goal, but I think second half, people hammer him for losing the ball, but I think that was just because we were trying to get forward and trying to maybe get ourselves in the game, because at that point it was 3-2 and there was a chance we could get something out of it. So, um, you could give criticism and give him the ball, but he's surrounded by literally two Burnley players. I, th- I think at the end of the day as well, with that, one, that Daniel did, I think you can forgive someone for trying to do the right thing and making a mistake, as opposed to when, you know, Danny Barr had the ball, he played at Luke O'Neill, who played at Danny Bart, and we didn't get out of our own six-yard box for like a good 45 to 60 seconds during the second half at home to Burnley. Um, So, you know, when Daniel tries to get us forward, tries to get on the ball and actually do something useful with it, if you're going to make a mistake like every footballer in the world will, unless you're Ellen Harland, then, you know, it it can be forgiven. Yeah, but he's just not human, though. Come on, any human footballer will make a mistake. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I think I will go with the six actually with Daniel. I think I, I think he took. I think I think as well. He just took his goal really, really well. Um, first time finish from a some way out and um, past the keeper, but uh, um, the near post. So yeah, I think it, across the game, I thought he was all right. And again, the mistake is something that we had nothing to lose at that point. So you might as well make a mistake trying to go for it. Yeah, Martin Daniel for you. Yeah, I think I think six is six is fair enough. Just for the similar to what Michael said, just his goal and. It's all round play. Um, and I say the, mis- the mistake at the end, you know, well, as I say, the game was sort of dead by then anyway. So, yeah, that's just six. Yeah. I just point out with Daniel as well, by the way, that I think he, taking yesterday's game out of it, right? I think there's been a few a bit, bit, few bit of harsh criticism for Daniel as well, because I think we've got to remember that this is only his second year of professional football, I think. Um, yeah, it is, yeah. I don't, I, don't know how, I don't know how much under 21s or academy football he had. He probably had quite a fair bit. But in terms of senior football, this is his second season, of which in the chap- of which last season he was in League One. Now we're in the Championship, which is going to be a bigger intensity level. And I think, for the most part, I think he's acquitted himself quite well. And I think he's got, I think he's got a pretty good future. Yeah, he'll have bad games, which everybody does, let alone the young players. But for how young he is, and for how little senior football he had before last season, I think he's doing quite well personally. Yeah, um, Corby Evans next alongside him, Michael. Oh. Don't say five. Don't say five. Don't say five. <laughs> um, yeah, I would. It's really weird one actually. Yeah, I probably would go maybe with uh, actually a five. between five. No, I'm going to go six. <laughs> through it. I'm going with a six. I, I, just just to warn I mean, the rest of the ratings are going to be like banter. Just just at this point, as without repeating myself. But I think again, first half he was one where he was trying. He was. Uh, I think a big part of why we were so good in the first half was that Corey Evans was winning. A lot of the midfield battles, he was he was making sure that we kept things ticking over and set things up for future, for future attacks and to get players yeah. forward up the pitch quicker and just to maintain some composure. And I think probably I would say six because when we when he went off in the second half, I think we did kind. Of, what was the score when Evans got substituted? Two, two, I think. Right. I can okay. Double check that though while you talk. I might be off. I'm 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 hope I'm not imagining that he got substituted because I'm pretty sure he did. He did come off, yeah. Right, okay. So, but in general, I think that obviously there was a bit of a mad, well, for, for him then, 
Obviously, he was involved in a mad 10 minutes in the second half when, obviously, um, Burn, uh, sorry, Burnley came back to draw. Just to that point. come but, back on that one, he came off at 3-2. He came off at 3-2, right, OK then. Well, I'd still probably then maybe go with... I still probably will go with the six, just because he was that good first half. Yeah. Uh, Martin? Yeah, I think I think six is, is good for Corey. Um, as he, he, looked sol- he looked solid. Um, then when he came off 3-2, I think... I probably would have kept him on, but you, you know, Mowbray knows best, you know, so I'll stick with that. Yeah. Um, Elliot Embleton, like all. Back to the fives again. Um, <laughs> I think, again, first half, very, very good. Played a big part, I think, in the build up to the second goal. Yeah. Second half, I'm going to be honest, I thought he was pretty anonymous. But again, I don't, I don't think that's the, the way the game was going. I don't think that suits him. Um, because obviously a lot of the game we were having to chase the ball beyond the back foot, and that's not where Embleton's strengths are. So I'd go five. Yeah, Martin. Yeah, I'd go five. Um, similar to Michael again. Um, it was only when he got substituted off in the second half I realised he was played in the second half. Um, so yeah, I'd say five. Yeah. Um, Alex Pritchard again started, and very bizarrely again was subbed off on the hour mark, which is something that. We've never really discussed, I don't think, but it's always one that I've found strange. So maybe we will discuss it before we move on to the next player. But obviously, people look at this game as a defeat. They'll look at the team news, Michael. They'll see that he didn't get a goal. He didn't get an assist. He should be dropped for the next game. But like we said, you know, he played a massive part in the opening goal for Ahmad. You know, not many players will play that pass and, you know, the kind of, you know, dribbling with the ball that he did to create the space to pass it into Clark is something that not many players will do. And if you take him out of the team, then you lose that kind of transition from midfield into attack, I think. So that, again, has to be taken into consideration. But overall, for the 60 minutes he was on the pitch, Michael? Five and a half. Uh, yeah, I, I, again, first half, obviously, played his part for the first goal, as you mentioned, that without his contribution, then it's there's a chance the goal doesn't happen. And again, like a bit similar to Embleton, I think that's second half, obviously, before he got substituted off, it, it, it wasn't a game that particularly suited him. I don't know whether it was Alex Pritchard or maybe it was Embleton, so I don't know, maybe I'm being close, but there was the chance at, um, at 2-2 that Jack Clark had. I can't remember who fed the ball through to him. It might I have been Pritchard. It, I think it was Pritchard, I think. Right, I, I, I've got it. Well, again, I mean, if anyone's listening and they want to try and tell us on Twitter the correct is, then fair enough. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think, so I'd probably go with an extra 0.5 for him because I think he was, he obviously, if that was Pritchard, then he played a bit more of a contribution towards a potential goal. Obviously, it didn't happen, so it doesn't really count in the end. But Just point to go is, back first on that half, again. We were both wrong. It was Ahmad. It was Ahmad. Oh, okay, then. I, I will shut up about that then. But, yeah, with Pritchard. Yeah, okay, well, in which case, I'll still go with a 5.5. I think he was slightly more influential than Button in the first half. But against second half, it wasn't his sort of game because we weren't really being able to get on the front foot. Yeah, Martin. Uh, oh, Pritchard. Um, I'll say six. So, let's say first half, he was he just up quality. He was always taking the ball forward. And then... Um, yeah, I was a bit surprised when he got brought off, to be honest, in the second half. Yeah, it's, it's happened a lot. I think it's happened just about every game this season. He always comes off around the hour mark, and it's something that I've never really understood why. I don't know if it's a fitness issue. I don't know if it's a tactical. I, it just doesn't seem to make sense because, yeah, you like people say, they look at the goal, look at the assist and think, yeah, he's not doing much in the game. But like I said, if you take him off, you lose a big part of that kind of build-up play, and he always seems to come off after an hour. Yeah, I, I just I don't understand why. Because I mean, obviously, when you was it two two or three two when he came off? Were we getting beat when he came? It was off? two two when he came off, um, yeah. and then they scored just about three minutes after. Yes, yeah, so I, I don't understand because I mean, even if he's not having the best of games, he's got he's got like a bit moment of quality that yeah. that we could, to get us forward. So yeah, I'm not sure. I'd, I'll go six with Richard. Yeah, that is fair. Ahmad obviously got his first goal since he joined Sunderland on loan, Michael. Um, had a very similar chance in the second half, and I think he has been definitely told to shoot more. Um, and I think the time in the second half where he did shoot is probably the time he should have took a touch and then hit it. But, you know, you can't have it all, I guess. So he took his first goal well, um, and very similar to everyone else on the pitch. Very dangerous in the first half. Fairly anonymous, bar that pass through to Clark in the second half. So, yeah, six as well for me again. I think it's nice to see when he actually had a shot in the first half that resulted in a goal. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'll probably, again, you've summed it up. Great, for very good first half. 
Um, best half I've seen him play for us, uh, and then obviously second half anonymous. But I'll give, I'll just bump, I was debating going five. Yeah, I've got to go with a six because he took his goal well, and also he made me look like a fool with that pass through to Clark. So six. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, oh, controversial. I'm gonna go seven. I thought you looked really good. Um, yeah. I am not was... used to being to being. Uh, I'm not used to someone else being the generous <laughs> one with me. <laughs> Sorry. I know. I know. Um, yeah, I would say seven. Um, uh, he took his goal really well. Um, even though does I don't know why it looks like he missed it, but it's it. it, I, it I, had, really... I thought he did that as well. To be fair, but yeah, give him the benefit of the doubt. He totally yeah. That. Complete, thought he was completely offside as well, so I didn't really celebrate properly until I looked at the linesman. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I say it was a seven. I mean, the the one in the the second half was in front of me, and I don't think he was really expecting it because um, it looked like Clark for the life was just going to shoot. Um, and then he just pulled it to Ahmad and he had no idea to be fair he did well to get the shot off um, but yeah it's it, yeah, I'd, I'd say seven I'm, I'm really liking him he's, he's looking like a really really good uh, little player actually Ahmad so yeah I'm, I'm enjoying watching him play yeah. and last but not least Jack Clark once he got the assist for Ahmad's goal probably possibly harsh but I think he should have scored with the chance he had in the second Agreed. half hit it straight at the keeper yeah. um, and if he does score that suddenly go 3-2 up and it, again you know so many times this season we've said if you score that goal completely changes the game you could be talking about a different result but it is football it's all lifts and buts it didn't happen and we still lost the game so overall Michael for Jack Clark six um, again just I mean it's one of those where I think Jack Clark did well I know this, this is going to sound very 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 idiotic but he did just well to get himself into that position and um, to have the chance because that was at a time when we just conceded two goals and it was the mood would have been very very down. But he had some good intelligence to get into the space. It yeah. was just a matter of just did not just not taking the chance. He, really, went, but... he went for power as opposed to placement, and I think that's yeah. Where if Ross Stewart yeah. or Ellis Sims is there, they placed that in the far corner. Yeah. In other words, get them back as quick as possible, please. So yeah. with Clark, yeah, I think. Yeah, I'd probably go with the six. I think that Clark is, uh, as I said, Clark in the first half again was really good. Oh, I need to get these play writings over. I'm sick of repeating myself. Um, <laughs> Clark, good first half. Yep, second half should have scored, basically. Yeah. And last but not least for you, Martin. I'm going to go 5.5. I think five's too harsh and I think six is too high. Um, it's just blaringly obvious that Jack Clark isn't the striker. Um, yeah. And he's, you know what, he's, do, he's doing the best that he can. I mean, obviously, it's layoff for Ahmed in the, in the second half, as I said. I think you know he, he must have obviously it, the first goal uh, that's how we, got, we scored it. So I think he wanted to repeat that. But then, you know, Lightning doesn't normally strike twice. I, I do think he should have shot. But you know, as I say, he's not a he's not a striker. And I think that's um, you know blaringly obvious. So yeah, I, I can't really give him a six. I can't give him a five. So it has to be five point five. I think. Yeah, that is fair in terms of man of the match. I think just work out. Who gave who the highest rating from Michael? That could be a challenge because I think you just about give everyone the same rating. <laughs> um, and obviously well, to be honest, the majority of ratings were differentiated by like a tenth of a point, so it was yeah. a bit—it's a bit difficult there. It was a close one. It was a close one. But for sake of Martin giving the highest rating out of everyone, we'll go with Ahmed. We'll go for that one. Um, but next game is obviously next Saturday, so a week break. Um, I'd love to say we'll have players back for then, but quite frankly, we won't. Um, possibly Gooch at the most. Um, which of course would be a welcome addition back, but we are away at Luton, a tough team. Um, and it was, I don't know if you've actually listened to Tony Mowbray's interview after the game, but it was it was quite funny the way he talked about little grounded Luton. Yes, I um, did hear that. That was funny. It was quite interesting the way he described it. But you know, Luton did well um, when they got promoted from League One in the Championship. They've more than held their own in this league and. I think they were in the playoffs last season, if I'm not mistaken. So that'll be yes, a tough they game. Were. You know, they've got experienced players. They know what it takes to compete at this level. Um, and obviously away from home, where Sunderland tend to be better, um, it is going to be tough. But if you had to go with a prediction for that game, Michael? Luton's home. Luton, apparently, Luton's quite in... I can't believe I'm saying this about Luton, and I mean it with the greatest of respect. Yeah. I can't believe we're talking about Luton in this context, but they've done well for themselves and really held their own. At home, teams tend to, I mean, last, and at home, I think more teams have struggled there than they haven't. Um, brutally honest, I can't see us winning, so I'll probably go with an, I'll probably go with a one-all. I think if you, I think obviously the narrative for a lot of people at the minute is three defeats in four, one winning eight, and all that. I think if we. Yeah, I'll go with one all. One all. I think at very, very, very worst, make sure you don't get beat in the game. 
I'd be a bit disappointed with it because I think, but that's probably because in my head, Sunderland should be a lot higher than Luton. Um, and, and at the minute this season, we probably aren't, which is quite depressing in some ways. But yeah, no, I'll go one all. I don't think the point would be disastrous as long as you build on it in the games afterwards. Yeah, I think the main thing is a performance over 90 minutes for this game, man. Yes, yeah, 100%. Um, a good, sorry, a good one, not a bad yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, true. Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, this is the, this is the sort of game I can see someone winning. Um, it's just that it's kind of I think, makes me feel Bristol City. Um, when I, I would expected us to to get beat, but then I, they're not surprised that we won. Um, I'm going to shock you all and say we're going to win it 2-1. Uh, Ellis Sims is actually going to be on the bench and he's going to come off the bench and score a last minute winner and then we're just going to forget that we've never had strikers for the last six years whatever it is <laughs> <laughs> to be fair Wigan and, Wigan and Preston won at Luton so why not yeah, yeah exactly I mean we shouldn't really be fearing them I mean we've we've held our own against every single team that we've played against this season apart from Middlesbrough um, which I think was just a fluke so yeah I, I don't really I don't really have any sort of Issues with that, I do think we might actually surprise people and, and sneak a sneak a win. Yeah, well, I fancy a three 0 so we'll go for that. Yeah, yeah, I'll take that hundred percent. But of course, that is next Saturday. As always, we will have at least a reaction out to that game on the Sunday, and um, try and get a preview out if I can find the time to do so. Um, but if not, like I say, for Sunday we'll be back to discuss everything that happened before that game, during the game, and any reaction after the game, which hopefully isn't quite as reactionary as it was this weekend. But until then, we will see you later. That's all, folks.